Hey, Token CEO listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. So basically, you ha- so I hate when I say that, fucking basically, for anyone who's not paying attention, we do this thing on Tuesday and Thursday at this point. We had a long episode on Tuesday. We had Gilly from Million Dollars Worth of Game on. I actually been thinking a lot about that conversation. He talked a lot about how everybody now just wants to be microwaved and they want to be, you know, zapped for two seconds and then made famous or rich or successful and that you really got to build something much stronger and bigger than that. And he talks about game which is the whole premise behind Million Dollars Worth of Game and kind of the lessons that he and Wallow are sharing with others, especially within their community in Philly. So I thought that was pretty awesome. NetNet, great episode with Gilly. Uh, Check it out if you haven't already. Uh, And if you also get a chance, subscribe and listen to Million Dollars Worth of Game or follow Gilly to Kid on Twitter and Instagram. Actually, follow him on Instagram. The guy's not great at Twitter, but whatever. That's a different story for a different day. All right. So yesterday I took two flights with two different airlines. I'm a nervous flyer. I don't really love flying. I get anxious about landings. I just have a real freak out every time we have to land, which is kind of preposterous, but whatever. Um, But also flying during a pandemic, I think brings on an extra level of anxiety. If you are feeling anxious, I think Tribe CBD is a product that you should check out. Uh, What Tribe does is they use full spectrum hemp CBD. So they do a great job of really processing the CBD. It's a premium CBD product. They make hemp oils, they make gummies, they do therapy creams, they even make beverages. Uh, They also have tintatures. So if you have a bottle of water, you can just put a couple drops in it and you get the benefits of CBD. You can also, this is super cool and I'm just learning it, you can use them on your dogs. Uh, Anyway, so yesterday I liberally applied the muscle cream because my foot is in fact still hurting me. And then also I used the tintature and chilled right out on the plane, even though there was about 70 people within two feet of me. Um, If you want to try Tribe CBD, go to tribecbd.com. If you use code Barstool, you can get 10% off your order. So highly recommend, high quality product, great if you're on an airplane, great if you have muscle problems, great if you just want to relax. Go to tribecbd.com and use code Barstool for 10% off. So what are we doing today? Today we're doing two things. Today... I had a text exchange with a friend of mine yesterday where we were talking about what's happening with personality, what new media companies could and will look like. If you have a cult of personality, you don't need to be with a broadcast network anymore. And I think that that's something that's really changing and you're going to see a generational change with influencers and stars in terms of where their content lives, how they make their content and most importantly, how they monetize it. Speaking of change and next generation, we're also having Mike Rabel on. So Mike Rabel is the COO of the Premier Lacrosse League. He's Paul Rabel's brother. He was a football player at Dartmouth. He's a great guy. He spent, you know, I would say 15 plus years in finance and banking. And now he's running a next generation sports league that's really combining, you know, it's a combination of a league a media company, and an influencer network of their own. So Woj started his career at Yahoo in, I think, 2007. He spent 10 years at Yahoo, which is pretty amazing, actually. 
and then went to ESPN in 2017. And, you know, it's actually kind of interesting you're seeing this happen where the big personality from any individual platform platform is is being plucked and going to another platform but like 10 years at yahoo sports is a long time i would argue Woj was the single biggest thing at yahoo sports so espn stole Woj from yahoo which i I don't think was a super hard thing to do i think espn is inarguably a massive step up from yahoo sports all right so last week senator holly dropped a press release and the title of the press release was senator holly blast the blasts NBA for kowtowing to Beijing and refusing to support U.S. military and law enforcement. That press release made its way to Woj. Woj responded to that press release with a simple but eloquently put, fuck you. Holly screenshotted the response from Woj, tweeted the email, and ESPN then promptly suspended Woj. So first of all, if people were going to get suspended for saying the words, fuck you, like there would not be a barstool sports, but Woj gets suspended. He then had a ton of NBA players come step up for him. Uh, LeBron, who, you know, you can argue what LeBron thinks about China or not. Um, LeBron came to his defense. A ton of premier players came to his defense. But what's been interesting is the, you know, we're going into an NBA season. It's one of the only sports that's coming back. And ESPN, you know, is suspending arguably one of their biggest stars, certainly their biggest NBA insider, uh, for a personal email to someone outside of the company. Um, And this kind of gets in even to the same things we were talking about last week, which is, what are the personal freedoms that you have as an employee of a company and as a media personality? So I think there were a couple of interesting things about the Woj thing and really stemming back to something I've been thinking about, which is, you know, one of the things you see from ESPN and other traditional broadcast companies is that there is a single throughput narrative. There is a singular and dominant uh, party line. And there is a very systemic top-down control on creators. So like a platform like ESPN, Woj is going to be on a very specific show. He's going to have a very specific contract. He's going to have very specific parameters about what he can do and can't do. Conversely, a platform like Barstool is far more freeform. You can pretty much say whatever you want within reason and so long as it's intelligent you can build your own personality. Barstool Sports puts a ton of gasoline with very young, very engaged audiences around those personalities. And the people who thrive at Barstool are able to create pretty much any type of programming they want. Radio, video, social, experiential, merchandise, you name it. So there's a very dramatic difference in the structure of the company in which personalities work. So what I got to thinking about with Woj and and got to thinking about in general is how does a Woj thrive in a very traditional environment? And if you look backwards, there used to be an era where if the era of the Dan Patricks and Chris Bermans and uh, Dick Vitells and Hannah Storms or Stuart Scott, Susie Colbert, you name it, Those people built their careers, they built their platforms, they built their personalities within that construct and within a construct that was extremely linear. It was um, on a specific place at a specific time on specific dates. 
it was extremely controlled where there were fewer choices. There was far less media fragmentation. There was far, I would say more differentiation because there was way less competition, but all of these personalities built their brands in partnership with the traditional networks that they worked on. So Katie Couric is an example. Dan Rather is an example. Tom Brokaw is an example. Walter Cronkite's an example in news. Those are big personalities, very influential people, big personal brands that were built in conjunction with the show that they worked on. And they were aided by the fact that there wasn't a lot of fragmentation there wasn't a lot of disruption and there were a ton of eyeballs around a singular and set amount of places. You flash forward today and the world is very different. And for someone like Woj, you got to be asking the question of, hey, am I better off being part of a traditional network or am I better off being in a place where I'm thriving and building my personality and my, and my brand on the internet? You know, the other interesting thing about the era one people and is a big factor is that they made their money from one place, right? Like this is, we're in a different era right now. People, personalities make money in multiple ways, sometimes from multiple different places and their longevity is far more fleeting. So if you look at Chris Berman, Chris Berman started his career at ESPN in 1979, So that's a long time at ESPN. He left in 2017, 2018. He was paid by ESPN. All of his personality was tied to ESPN. Yes, he had a personal social, but his livelihood was being on ESPN. Same with Katie Couric, right? When you look at Katie Couric, will, will, and I think forever be synonymous with the Today Show. Yes, she went over to Yahoo. Yes, she's done a lot of side projects. But really, she's synonymous with a single show from a single point, point in time. And her revenue uh, is far more concentrated from one single place, which is typically a broadcast partner or, you know, in this case, an internet partner with Yahoo. But it's also one form, which is it's paid for by advertising. I think the first era people kind of transitioned into a second era where it's people who are multi-format, somewhat multi-network, but they originate in broadcast. So these are people like Colin Cowherd, right? Like I went on Colin's podcast and Colin described himself as a little bit of everything. He's a, he's a radio guy. He's a TV guy. He's a social guy. He's a podcast guy. Uh, if you look at SVP, you know, Scott Van Pelt is arguably one of the most beloved people in sports. He is sports center at 11 PM, but he's also got a podcast he also has a big social following. So he, he originated, both of those guys originated in sports, originated in a network, and are now starting to expand beyond that network. Skip Bayless, same deal. Stephen A. Smith, same deal. And then you're also seeing somewhat of the same thing coming out of the news networks, right? Rachel Maddow, Trevor, Trevor Noah. So you know what you're seeing with these guys is they're, they're originating in broadcast, Their brand is predominantly rested and promoted through broadcast, but they're starting to parlay their takes, their point of view, their opinion, their personality into other mediums. The most seamless transition is from TV to audio. Uh, So whether that's a radio show or radio network or it's podcasting. So I, I would say like that's kind of the path for broadcast talent. 
I think you're finding fewer and fewer personalities are being born out of broadcast. And I think that's frankly just a radical, radical change in the world. Like you look at Joe Rogan, you look at Dave Portnoy, you look at Dan Katz, you really look at anyone from Barstool Sports, like the world is much bigger outside of television, frankly, than it is inside of television. And you're going to see the future biggest stars originate from the web, not originate from linear TV or print or traditional digital. So when you look back, the stars that everyone grew up with in sports were built on a single network. They typically worked for that, for that network. And if they left, they really only probably ever worked for one other. And their entire brands, their entire business, uh, their entire persona and their world was, was contained into one linear network. The second era which you're seeing now is is really the best personalities that have come out of broadcast are starting to expand their footprint into other mediums. And those mediums are, are typically born out of the internet. So when you look at a Scott Van Pelt or you look at, you know, let's say Rachel Maddow or Colin Cowherd, they went from television to radio or radio to television And now they're moving into the internet. They're moving into podcasts and they're moving into short form social content. The same thing is happening with companies. So I would identify really the Kardashians and, and WWE as the two, I don't know if you can call the Kardashians a conglomerate. I think you kind of can, but WWE is very traditional. It came up in and out of the same era as ESPN, you know, slightly younger, but ESPN, Fox, et cetera. Um, But it had all the elements that will make it succeed in the future. So personality-driven brands, an organization with a reality show component to it with Vince McMahon, uh, an organization supported by strong individuals who are both public as well as professional or, or private. So Vince McMahon and Chris Kardashian, you know, they run their companies. They're also reality stars in their own right. These are the companies that will be big media platforms going into an internet age. Uh, Barstool Sports, I would put right there alongside of it, right? A lot of the same characteristics. There's a couple, I would say, universal truths about the companies that will succeed in the next era. In the case of WWE, right, it's personality driven. Uh, In their case, they created a massive offline and event presence in addition to a broadcast presence. They created a pay-per-view model, so it was highly, highly, highly lucrative. And instead of being only focused on advertisers and an ad-driven model, the WWE was focused on a direct-to-consumer model almost from the jump. When you flash forward and look at what their presence is on YouTube, their subscriber base of 63 million, so they have 63 million people who not, not only watch their content, but actually subscribe to it. So this is the most loyal base is bigger than every other major American sport combined. So they have a diverse business model. They have personalities who are captivating. They've figured out how to parlay a live event experience into a social experience and into a pay-per-view broadcast experience. They were always focused on direct-to-consumer. Being born out of combat sports and being born out of really something that, that I think 
no one had seen, which is it's comedy, it's entertainment, it's reality, or presumably a sport has made the WWE exceedingly captivating to a very loyal, very large, very engaged audience who has followed their personalities, whether you follow Triple H or whether you loved The Rock, doesn't matter. Like they've followed the personalities and the storylines and the rivalries and the victories and the defeats over time. In that regard, Barstool and WWE are extremely similar. Like if when people try to compare Barstool to other networks, the WWE is the most obvious comparison, personality driven, part reality show, long-standing storylines, rivalries and disputes, a combination of entertainment, comedy, and sport. Those describe both Barstool and WWE very well. When you look at the Kardashians, they did it in in somewhat of a different way, but but not entirely that dissimilar, right? Chris Kardashian runs an empire. She's public and she's private. Uh, she built a brand name around her family, right? Kim had the sex tape. Uh, the sex tape launched Kim into public consciousness. They parlayed that into having a television show. They built very large social followings very early. They created a halo effect across all of the siblings of the family. All of those siblings, there were rivalries between Courtney and Kylie and Kim. The marriages, the families, the Kanye of it all, like it's captivating, it's interesting. They basically took what was happening on the pages of Us, Us Magazine, made that into a television show, made that into massive social followings for the Kardashian clan, made it into a very lucrative business whereby if you look at Kylie, by virtue of her makeup line, uh, Kylie Jenner is almost a billionaire. It, you know, some drama and dispute over that, but it, at the minimum, the girl has $900 million. Kim also has a net worth of $900 million. Chloe is really bringing, Chloe and Courtney and Kendall bringing up the rear with net worths of $40 million, $35 million, $18 million respectively. But essentially, this brand of Kardashian the ability to take a single format show, which is Keeping Up with the Kardashians, has parlayed a, a level of celebrity with strong business acumen where they have built a business that, that it really isn't other, isn't media driven, it's product driven. And the products help people feel that they can have the lifestyle and the look of the Kardashians, which is then promoted and championed and celebrated on a television show. So I would, I would look at those two companies or those two brands as brands that are going to be pretty infinitely successful so long as they can keep growing new audiences and bringing new fans into the fold in new media. Then you get to people who either have no broadcast experience, will never have broadcast experience, and have built themselves into being massive, massive fans by virtue of streaming and by virtue of, of social. So I really look at this era as like the social vlogger streamer era. Very little use of traditional internet, very little use of broad, it's really no use of broadcast, and a fully a full orientation to direct-to-consumer businesses. So Ninja, perfect example of this. We talked about him in the gaming episode. Ninja has built a massive following 
a massive business for himself, really in a combination of sponsorships, of uh, licensing, of donations from consumers directly, and essentially being paid by platforms to use the product. So he has built an entire empire. He's a very recognized character. He is a very distinct personality. And what he's done is taken his ability at a video game and and turned that into an empire. I don't even think you would call it a media empire, but Ninja's empire is competing with traditional sports. Like, I don't even know if you would call it a media empire, but regardless, that empire is competing for time spent, which I think is the other big part of what's changing, is that if you look at the first era where people tuned in to watch Thursday night television, or they tuned into cable or broadcast TV for sitcoms and whatnot, there, there weren't the other choices that there are now. And when people are tuning in, people are tuning in to find personality. They're tuning into streaming platforms. They're tuning into Instagram. They're tuning into uh, YouTube. They're tuning into live events. And I'm just using the word tuning in to mean that they're checking in, they're paying attention. And it's less appointment driven. It's fairly constant driven. There are elements of it that are appointment driven, but really people are checking more things more often and looking for more personality. David Dobrik is another example, started on Vine, tradition to YouTube. He's one of, I would say, the preeminent vloggers. He has 17, almost 18 million subscribers. Um, He parlayed that into hosting the Teen Choice Awards. He's a darling for advertisers. He basically makes, let's say, $25,000 a year just off of programmatic advertising on his YouTube channel. So that's a $9 million business without him having to lift a finger. You know, I also think that there's a complete reversal of fortune. So 10 or 15 years ago, to be made famous, someone like David Dobrik would have to be on television. You would have to find him out of television. And so at that point in time and in that era, ESPN made the stars, Nickelodeon made the stars, Comedy Central made the stars. Like you needed to be picked and anointed by a a traditional media company to be made big. 2020, David Dobrik going to get paid to go beyond Nickelodeon, not to be made big, but to bring audience and to make Nickelodeon relevant. So there's been a complete reversal of fortune as you look at the power of influencers and brands, we are the same exact, same exact thing. Comedy Central wanted the rundown because they wanted a brand that people actually cared about. They wanted personalities that millions of people found funny, and they wanted audience to watch more Comedy Central. We have way more distribution. We have way more fans. We have way more content. We have way more places to put and make that content. And as a result, the companies that understand diverse and disparate distribution, the companies who have nurtured fans, built storylines, and been dimensional and creative and funny and entertaining and captivating and controversial in those storylines and non-traditional in those storylines are going to defeat the personalities who are still contained by the box. And... I believe, and this was always, you know, big discussion with Charanen is, you know, would a media company ever buy Barstool Sports? And, you know, I think in 2016, we thought maybe. I I think by 2023, you're going to see the traditional media companies do very radical things 
to bring audiences to those networks because otherwise those networks will not exist. And then you look at someone like Woj and you say, God, does Woj want to have, you know, I don't know Woj. Uh, you know, I like his, his insider basketball info. I would imagine he's bummed about his suspension. But you got to ask is like, does a Woj and a Pat McAfee and a couple other traditional sports players come together? Do they become the new network? When, when you look at, you know, you look at Omar and you look at House of Highlights, from Turner, you, you see Omar leaving Turner and going to create the same thing on ESPN. ESPN wanted Omar because ESPN knows that it needs stars and it knows that it needs stars with followings. And you, what I really question is to be made a bigger star, w- would Omar be better going into the internet or tying up with other people on the internet and creating the new network? Or is Omar better off getting the check and a slot of time and a big studio and a place on the network? So I think it's interesting. A lot remains to be seen. I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see the networks do crazy things. I think you're going to see personalities continue to break out on their own. And I think you're going to see the personalities that start to assume the mantle on traditional properties are going to be personalities that either have a very strong, very loyal following attached to a very specific and distinct personality, or you're going to see personalities who are born first out of the internet become the future network and traditional stars. All right, DHM Detox. I had the tired today, not because I'm hungover, uh, but you know what? I don't really get hungover anymore because I like DHM Detox. So DHM Detox is a vitamin for people who enjoy alcohol. Very smart, very responsible way to drink. All you have to do is to remember to take the vitamin uh, after you've had one or two drinks. So you should drink responsibly. You shouldn't have more than like three to four drinks. I don't know. I'm not the arbiter of that. But if you want to feel great the next morning and you want to help your body process the toxins that come from alcohol, DHM does a good job of doing that. So you take two capsules after you have a couple drinks. You don't feel the anxiety or the hangover that you have the next day. DHM Detox is offering 20% off if you use code Erica at nodayswastedco.com. So if you go to nodayswastedco.com and you use code Erica, you can get 20% off your order and check them out. I think people who listen to this know I'm I'm an advisor to the PLL. Uh, I ran across Mike Rabel and his brother, lacrosse star Paul Rabel, probably three and a half years ago at this point. They have built I think one of the most well thought out leagues uh, in modern sports, they built a challenger league to major league lacrosse. It's called the PLL premier lacrosse league. Their mantra is for the players. They built a league that was designed to solve problems, both for consumers and for the players themselves. So consumers, they wanted to make the game of lacrosse bigger. They wanted to bring more fans into the sport. They wanted to make it a better viewing experience. They understood that lacrosse is a niche sport, but also a very fast growing youth sport. And they wanted to create a business model around the league and the sport that was commensurate uh, with the type of fan the sport has and, and where, where lacrosse sits in the, in the broader scheme of sports. From a player perspective, similar to what I've talked about with women's hockey, what Mike and Paul really sought to do was to give players a better experience, to make that experience professional, to create excitement and energy around the teams and the league itself. 
to have a very, very high level of play, to build stars from within the ranks of those teams, uh, and for the players to be paid and to have benefits as a result of playing professional lacrosse. To, so to have truly have a professional experience. Um, Mike Rabel joins us today. PLL is going to be live on NBC on July 25th. It's one of the first sports to come back. It's certainly a new sport coming back. And we talk about uh, what he's doing to get there, how they're thinking about it, and how they're building a league. You have a huge season coming up. You're one of the only sports to come back. This little challenger brand of lacrosse is now at the forefront of major sports returning. You're going to get primetime television access with NBC. You're building a media conglomerate as much as you're building a sports league. You're figuring out the logistics faster, quicker, more nimbly than I would say the traditional leagues. Like you're not hearing about the drama of the bubble, but I would like to know if there's drama in the bubble. Um, so tell me, give me the, give me the 411 on where the PLL is. Well, that's the best thing about this podcast, Erica, is that you just said it all. I don't need to do anything else. We need to get you, we need to get you uh, on our team. That was an incredible hype intro. Um, yeah, so you said it all, right? We have our championship series. We've dubbed our season the championship series starting on July 25th on NBC Maine. Uh, so that game's going to be happening at 4 p.m. Eastern. And then it's a 16-day tournament with a championship game again on NBC on August 9th. Um, it's in a hard bubble like you described. Um, so sort of one, one road in, one road out. We close the doors once everyone's taken their COVID test, and then we do it uh, uh, a, another quarantine after they've taken their test and another test after that, uh, and then several tests throughout the hard bubble. Um, I just actually finished taking a test before I hopped on with you. Um, so I took a saliva test, sent it in the mail. Um, if it comes back negative, I can travel. If it doesn't, I have to, I can't travel at all. And that goes for anyone attending the, the championship series. Um, we've created this process with a, a really robust and thoughtful COVID committee uh, comprised of internal medicine doctors, infectious disease doctors, and our PLL head physician. It's been a it's been a massive process. I, it's been uh, stressful. Um, we've tried to have a steady hand. We've tried to navigate these like uncharted waters, like every single company. I think um, the difficult part is you know not not being able to have fans there is going to be I think you know hard on the players um, because they, there's so much energy derived from people being in stands. But I do think that like you said at the top, being one of the first sports back, having major broadcast. Uh, capabilities with 14 of the 20 games through the championship series being either on NBC or NBCSN, um, the guys know the gravity of what we're doing. You know, people want sports back and it's not, they're part of American fabric. Uh, and I think that bringing back competitive sports is, is, uh, is very important to uh, our society and, and something that I think our players and our team and NBC are, are taking seriously. How are the players dealing with all the quarantining and the bubble? Like, like how's my guy Miles doing? Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see when we get in the bubble. You know, we, um, it's funny, right? It's like uh, we're spending a ton of time trying to be thoughtful about all the amenities they're going to have, snacks, drinks, um, what they're going to do in their free time outside of training. I'm in the process of writing my opening speech. Um, I'm doing a couple things that I think hopefully will be special, like talking about journaling and, and mindfulness, just because they're going to be in a hotel room for a lot of the time. And, 
you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a very different change of pace for these guys. And, you know, there'll be some, there'll be 10% of people of players and staff and, and production teams that don't like being in a quarantine hard bubble. And that's just what we have to expect. That's just math. Um, and I think we think about it as we're going to make this as, um, as pleasant as we can. I mean, I'm sending emails to, to companies trying to get free product. I was just texting with my friend at Whole30 about, hey, can we get an intro to Chomps or RX Bar so we can get more bars to the players? And, uh, you know, Gatorade's been coming big through uh, for us and providing a ton of stuff. But remember running camp, we were talking to Pepsi and we're like, we need more bubbly and we need more Aquafina. And they're like, great, where do we send it to? And so it's just, you're running a big camp. So hopefully the guys will like it. And, you know, we know that some guys will be uncomfortable and we'll just deal with that. You know, it reminds it's kind of a naive comparison, but do you remember playing sports in college and you would go on the spring break trip, right? And you're in some shit hotel. You know, we always went to Virginia. Like it wasn't even that hot out. Like real schools got to go to Florida or they went to the Bahamas. Like we were like holed up in Virginia at William and Mary. And those were the best weeks. Like, yeah, it sucked. Like, yeah, like, but you're with your teammates. There's so much laughter, I think, that comes out of that. Like, stupid pranks, jokes, like, you're listening to music. And I think there's, like, you can rock out. I think that's the best part of being a team. And I actually think that that's something that's kind of missing from professional sports. Like, you, you, the camaraderie and, and almost feeling collegiate again is I actually think one positive that can come from this. Totally. I mean, we've talked about that as much as the, you know, pre, there's a pre quarantine process that's going on and, you know, I'm watching guys, Instagrams and if they're going out on weekends, uh, I say, why are you out? You're supposed to be quarantining. And there's, there, and, and, you know, there's been a lot of stress just generally getting yeah. ready for this for guys. How do they train at home? Um, and I think that one of the things we've been talking about to your point exactly is once we're there, once we get through like the testing, the closing the door of everyone being in the bubble, there's going to be a ton of bonding that happens. It's just, um, it's what happens. They're going to be spending so much time, so much intimate time with each other. I think teams are really going to congeal more than they ever have. Um, and I think hopefully on the backside of this, you know, as a league and as teams specifically in their locker rooms are going to come together better than they, they were coming in. Um, and I think it's, a, it's an opportunity if you look at it, like you're saying, in a positive way with, with how tough 2020 has been. Hopefully this is something that these guys walk away from and say, whether we won the championship or we didn't, uh, whether I play well or didn't, this was a great experience and I've created lifelong bonds. Because you think about those locker rooms in college like you're talking about. Yeah, those are all my hard. best friends to this day. Yeah. Your best friends. Yeah. Pick up where you left off, right? Yeah. So hopefully that happens. I also, you know, I think it's such a moment for you guys, which I'm so fired up about, which is, you're right, the Americans are starved for sports. The news is so depressing. Everyone, I think, is feeling very bad, very pent up, very stressed. You know, there's the unemployment rate is massive. There's a pandemic. There's a shitload of racial tension. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. And uh, what I'm so fired up about is to actually bring new people to lacrosse, like people who've never watched the game and you're turning, you know, like there's not a whole lot of reasons to turn on NBC. No offense. I know you wouldn't say this, but uh, at 4 PM on a Saturday, but now you are, and there's this sport and it's vibrant and it's dynamic and there's personalities. And then you go into social and you find more about, like, that's what I think is very different about you guys as a league is that one you're you're David and Goliath and that you're you're using an opportunity to become bigger and I 
think the players will love that. But two, you're also thinking about the social experience, you know, to your point on, I just did my um, cutouts. So to your point on how you make money and how you bring fans, like I just put like three of the ugliest photos imaginable. So just for anybody listening uh, with the PLL, you can basically buy for $29 a cutout of yourself that these guys are going to put in the stands so that the players have familiar faces and just faces in the crowd. And like, that's a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Like, so tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a, a completely new white space for us where um, we've, you know, one of our values at the PLL is encourage creativity, and we've really leaned into that value across the organization. So our operations team led that effort, which was great, and um, of cutting out cardboard, a big, big sort of like fathead style cardboard pictures of, of friends and family and, and fans and saying, hey, you know, we all need you there, even though you can't be there. This is a way for everyone to feel supported and the players to feel like they have eyes on them outside of just television. Um, and then also, by the way, you, you, we, we may see your face on, because it's on the broadcast side of, of where the cameras are shooting for the game. So we'll see your face, hopefully, and you'll see your face when you're watching. Um, it kind of goes into one of our like tune-in efforts of, of getting people just to, to watch the games a bit more. But the whole thing, to, to your point, is like, since day one, and that was one of the greatest parts about meeting, meeting you, is we didn't have to convince you why lacrosse is great. Like, you played lacrosse and you were awesome at it. Um, but there's a lot of people out there where, you know, just calling it what it is, like, have a negative stigma around lacrosse. And so we're here to fix that. And also, the people that don't know anything about lacrosse, we're trying to bring them in and, and make them new fans through sports betting initiatives that we launched this year, through we have a free-to-play bracket that's sort of our version of March Madness, through doing things like, um, you know, bringing in, um, you know, watch parties into the broadcast. So, uh, you know, we, we think that lacrosse and the way we shoot it particularly, um, the way that we've changed the rules so it's faster, we've consolidated the field, um, we've sped up the games, we've changed the color of the ball, um, we've mic'd up players so they interact with the broadcast booths. So you can hear and feel how they're feeling while they're playing. I mean, those things bring the life, the game, the angles that we were going to bring 10 plus cameras to the broadcast. So you can see how athletic and the shots and the skills these guys have. So I want someone sitting down and they're watching this, never have watched lacrosse before to be like, holy shit, these guys are fast. They're tough. They're athletic. And I feel like I'm playing sports again. And, and then they're hooked into the PLL. And then we do all other things digitally that sort of bring it 24 seven full of life like you guys do at Barstool. It's so cool. The women's hockey people, I, I think, are just like, shut the fuck up about the PLL. I talk about the PLL all the time because the same things that you're solving need to be solved for women's hockey. Like, it's actually a great sport. It's quite violent. It's fast. There's scoring. There's rivalries. There's shit talking. Like, it's actually a great product, but nobody showcased it in a way that makes anyone care. Like, when, you, when things look like a bunch of ants on the field or the game is too long – like, or the camera, do you remember watching, like, I remember watching Paul on ESPNU and it was like, the one, yeah, the color was so bleached out. You couldn't even see him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so. I remember, thinking, I remember thinking, I'd be like, I only care about this because it's my brother. But I can't, like, someone has to be so obsessed with the cross to watch this product. So totally to your point around, around the women's hockey league, it's, you know, you got to have people that believe in it and are willing to spend on the product. It's like, I, I, I always correlate it to technology. You know, our broadcast is our core product. That's our core. If we're, if we're a B2B SaaS platform, that's our tech. And so we invest in that broadcast just like we would if we're building tech for a B2B relationship. 
And, you know, why not? And so we had investors that believed in that from day one. And we said, we're going to overinvest in this. So people hook in and mm -hmm. believe in that. And so it's not like anything, anything someone else can't, you know, replicate. I think it's just, you have to bring in. You have to invest have in it. You got to, you have to want to build that product. And then you got to sure. take your moments. Like I actually think like I was having this exact conversation, which is coronavirus and the pandemic. I think in general, people, I got to be honest, like the more time I spend with people, the more I think people look backwards. They spend so much time looking at your feet. It's like when you're playing sports and you're, and you're watching the ball instead of getting the ball. But I think most people look backwards or they look down and you guys are taking this time. You're, you're going through adversity. I'm sure it's a complete pain in the ass. It's expensive. I'm sure it's hurting your profit. I'm sure you're stressed out about growth but you're, you're moving and you're like trying to make something happen. And you're taking this moment to, to have a chance to get bigger and have a chance to reach new people and a chance to grow the business. And I actually, I think that's so inspiring because I wish everybody would do that because it, it would make this time more productive and more rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate those compliments. I think you guys are doing a good job and frankly, it's, um, it's not easy to do. And I think that you just have to wake up. I've, I've been trying to wake up every morning and before I like psychotically check my phone, like I usually do, because that's where my alarm is. I've been switching to like a mantra where, where, where like I wrote out my own mantra. I went on a hike uh, a couple weeks ago and was like, all right, I'm going to write out something just to get, find more mental, mental health in the mornings because I wake up stressed. I look at all the different things being on the West coast that have already happened. Even if you're waking up early, um, stuff's already happening. And so how do you find that space to know that that's just going to be your day? That's just going to happen to you. How do you breathe? How do we, how, you know, being a leader, you know, this, especially a dynamic business like Barstool where things are happening all the time, you know, people are just watching you. Um, and so you just have to anticipate that things are even with this pandemic, but even before that bad things or things that you don't necessarily anticipate happening are going to happen. And there's going to be pits in your day and there's going to be peaks, but it's really about how do you handle those pits even if you internally aren't handling them well, externally showing that you're calm, which I struggle with doing, but I'm trying to be more mindful about it. People that work with you, uh, your colleagues pick up on that and that's going to allow them to handle the situations better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that there's no, there's no way to handle it other than just try to breathe. I try to breathe through my nose. More, more you're through supposed my mouth. to like hold one it's, nostril and then do another, like there's a whole thing to it. Hmm. Okay. Got it. Got no, it. literally, you're literally like, it's actually, it, it, I don't do it very much, really? but it actually works. Yeah. You hold one nostril, breathe in, and then you hold the other one. Try it. Not right. right now, but I'm going to do that. All right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Grable, give me the last plug. Like, oh, well first, actually, sorry, before that, who, like, who's the favorite for the championship? Oh man. Well, the, the, I think that the odds right now, uh, we're seeing you know, William Blair's put up, put up odds. I think the odds are on I think last time I checked, it was split between um, Whip Snakes again and the Redwoods, um, but it's changing daily just based on information. So I know I know your guys, Miles, he's moved over to the Redwoods. No, I'm traded, so excited. Um, I want to, I'm going to destroy yeah. chaos. <laughs> so, all right, starting on the 20th, right? On July 25th uh, on NBC, this will be NBC Maine. Um, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, there's going to be the, uh, champ the rematch of the championship game between uh, the whip snakes, and the redwoods. Um, so that game went down to, to overtime uh, last last year, September 21st. Um, and so those guys are playing each other again. So we're excited about that. 
Um, and, you know, we're, we're excited about some of the, you know, just being able to watch the sport again. And then you know, there's a lot of off-season stuff we're thinking about, too. We made our first acquisition at the PLL that we're excited about. Sort of, again, I think a lot of things that you guys do at Barstool, it's, it's a really great model. We, we, we acquired a lacrosse MCM. So we have a lot of cool things that we're going to be doing uh, in the future, particularly in the off-season, where we're able to highlight not just PLL players, which we will, but also all lacrosse players from mm-hmm. international to high school to, to, to women's, women's lacrosse um, will allow us to feature different creators. Um, and so it's a really cool opportunity um, to, to, to build the sport, not just at the PLL level, but um, across different genres of the sport. I think that, th- that they're taking on so much and they want it to be so great. I just really admire how they're seizing what's happening right now and, and making it into something that's really valuable for the teams, for the players, for the leagues, and ultimately for the fans. So if you can check out the PLL on NBC, check out my guy, Miles Jones. He's playing at 4 PM on July 25th. I will definitely be watching RJ. If you are listening to this from the PLL, I still haven't gotten my Jersey. So I'm just making a small complaint on that, but otherwise a massive fan Um, cam sanitize. So I was on an American airlines flight yesterday, American airlines really jamming in the customers these days that simultaneously made me nervous but then I was also glad to see the economy getting back so I was like let's go like if if you can be safe and clean and to get people back to business I'm all for that so speaking of being safe and clean you should check out Cam Sanitize Cam Sanitize is a studio owned business I think that counts uh, these guys are cleaners they clean commercial properties they clean residential properties Obviously, being clean right now and sanitized is very important with coronavirus. Uh, They do a great job in offices. They'll do an equally great job at your home. Uh, They even actually think do cars. I don't know if we got any car pictures, but I know that there's a lot of dirty cars out there. The thing that is great about Cam Sanitize is they use hospital-grade disinfectant. Uh, Everything that they do is pet safe, electronic safe, skin safe, food safe, kids safe, you name it. Uh, So if you go to camsanitize.com, you can get uh, a 15% discount if you use code Barstool, or if you call 866-41-CLEAN, you can also get a 15% discount by just telling them uh, that you're a fan of Barstools. So go to camsanitize.com or call 866-41-CLEAN and say Barstool to get 15% off and you'll feel better when things are cleaner. All right, so we're on to the voicemail section. So today we got a voicemail from Jillian. Here's Jillian. Hey, Erica. Uh, my name's Jillian, and I just wanted to give you a quick shout-out and say thank you for all that you've been doing, and thanks for being such a motivation and inspiration to all of us aspiring leaders out there. Um, with that being said, my question is, what is one piece of advice that someone gave you towards the beginning of your career that has really stuck with you? Um, and then what's one piece of advice that you'd have for young professionals who are trying to find their way and figure out how to define their brand and career. Um, thanks again for everything. And I look forward to following along with you and your journey. Bye. All right. So thanks, Jillian. I appreciate you listening to this show. Um, best piece of advice when I got, when I was starting my career, I, Sometimes I think this is like when Hank came on the podcast and he was like, believe the cliches. I think that work advice is kind of the same. Like you got to believe the the cliches. Um, When I first started my career, I think advice is a tricky thing. I think that 
a lot of people, you got to remember who you're getting advice from, I, I think is really important. And you, I think you can take different advice from different types of people. I found at the beginning of my career, there was a lot of advice I did take. And then there was a lot of advice I didn't take. And mostly the advice I didn't take, it's because it was from people who were in a place that I didn't want to go to or in a position that I didn't want to get to, or they got there in a way that I didn't really believe in. And I think the people who I took advice from were people who I thought had something that they were doing that, that was, that was cool or that was really powerful or that was inspiring. So I would say the first thing on advice is just to be mindful of who you're getting advice from. I think people give a lot of unsolicited advice and, and sometimes I just want to be like, fuck off with the advice, but just be mindful of who you get advice from. I think this, I have like three very, I think is it banal, banal, like lame pieces of advice, but I actually think they work. I think the first piece of advice is you just got to work hard. Like you've got to really look yourself in the eye at the end of the day and be like, did I give it all? Did I have every conversation I should have? Did I, did I do things the right way or did I take the shortcut? So, so that, that's one piece of advice starting your career. Cause I think what managers ultimately recognize is people who work hard. And even if you're not the smartest person and you're not the best person at your job, if you work hard at your job, your manager's going to recognize that. And it makes a difference. I think people appreciate hard work. I think the second one is to uh, be communicative. So I think one of the biggest things that's hard right now with young people at work is, is everyone assumes everyone else is a mind reader and that you know what's going on with the people around you. And the, the honest answer is people are not mind readers. And the other honest answer is that nobody really gives a fuck about your career except you and probably your mom. So you got to really make sure that if you want something, if you feel strongly about something, if someone's done a really good job to to say it, to write it, to share it. Like, I think that people tend to just hold things in. And when someone does something really great, they don't reward and they don't celebrate or share that enough. And then when something goes bad, no, people don't share it either, or they share it behind the person's back, or they don't share it in a way that's constructive and productive. So those would be my pieces of advice. And I, I think that that probably would help at any point in a career, not just beginning. And then the last thing is, I think, be sure you work for someone who pushes you. you. You don't have to like the person necessarily, but you should respect the person. And I think early in your career, the time you put in counts. And a lot of people just put time in and it doesn't count towards anything. So make sure you're putting your time in uh, with a manager who you think you can learn from. And that time amounts to something. All right. So thanks, Jillian, for calling in. Send us your voicemails. We love these kind of questions. Call us at 440-462-1729. You can ask anything and everything. Nothing's off limits. Um, and we'll get to your voicemail on the show. So thanks to Jillian for giving us a call. So my one fucking good thing today, which I'm inspired by Mike Rabel's comment, and then I was thinking about this yesterday, my one fucking good thing today is this new segment of the podcast, which I'm actually very excited about. So one fucking good thing everybody knows uh, is sponsored by High Noon Hard Seltzer. High Noon keeps it real. This is a segment that is for sure real. So High Noon is real vodka. It's real juice. It's got a splash of sparkling water. It tastes delicious. 
It's not a disguised beer like every other hard seltzer. It's actually two things or three things. It's vodka, it's juice, and it's sparkling water. Three things that I love. Um, People say it's the best tasting hard seltzer. I completely agree with that. I think it's the best tasting hard seltzer. I'm partial to peach. I also am starting to dabble in the watermelon. Um, But the other thing that's great, it's 100 calories. It's gluten-free. There's no added sugar. It's a natural product. um, And it tastes great. And it's perfect for a day out or a night out. So get High Noon. You can find it in your liquor store, but you should call them to be sure they have it. You can find it in a lot of supermarkets and big chains, uh, or you can get it through Drizzly if you live in a place that'll drizzle you alcohol. So that's high noon. All right. So our one fucking good thing, uh, Mike Ravel made me laugh, which we should have gotten into, is that he's basically watching his players all weekend and seeing who's going out and partying. And then he's having to tell them that they should be quarantining. This happened to me Uh, this happened right before quarantine where I had someone be like, we shouldn't be in the office. This is like so offensive that people are coming to work. I totally disagree. And then I went and looked on their social that weekend and that they were at like a massive party with a ton of other barstool people at a bar. Um, so I was like, that's ironic, but today's high noon, one fucking good thing segment, unless you're Bailey Carlin is what your boss thinks. So I think one of the things that people sometimes lose sight of is that your boss is watching what you do and is thinking about what you do in the context of what you're supposed to be doing for your boss. I think that's easy to lose sight of. I lose sight of that sometimes, or I think about it too late and I'm like, fuck, maybe I shouldn't do that. Um, But we live in a social era. We live in an era where people make content all the time or do things all the time, uh, whether it's for work, during work, or outside of work. And I think it's important for people to remember your boss is thinking about that. So yesterday I was on, I usually feel like a titch over scheduled and I have too much going on during the day and I don't really spend a whole lot of time looking around social media. But yesterday I was on two flights, each were three hours long, so I had a lot of time to kill. And the place that I went was Twitter. And meanwhile, I had my guy, Bailey Carlin. So you always hurt the ones you love the most. So Bailey Carlin works on this podcast. He's new to Barstool. He's awesome. He's a great, he's a great addition to our team. Came out of the XFL. Everyone recognized that Bailey was, was good at social and, and we, we swooped him up on that. So anyway, so I am on the social web yesterday and Bailey, I had Bailey doing some research for me uh, for today's episode. So the first thing I see is a picture of Bailey on Instagram. So Bailey is clearly sitting at the beach. I think I saw this photo at maybe like 10.45 a.m. Eastern time. He's got John Lennon's sunglasses. Bailey loves a little tie-dyed hairdo product. And he's like, how am I looking on the beach? Now, Instagram can be a little misleading because you don't know when the timestamp was. But my first thing I saw of Bailey was a picture of Bailey at the beach asking how he's looking. And then I went rat hold and tried to find tried to find out when exactly he posted that by virtue of all of his other posts. So I may be crazy, but if anyone's listening to this, your boss may be doing the same thing. So the first thing is I was like, huh, Bailey's spending today at the beach. Then I went on to his Twitter and he had a 
personal announcement, which is Bailey has a crush. So I was like, oh boy, Bailey does not give a shit about what David, David Dobrik's monetization model is or how much money Kylie Jenner makes. Bailey has a crush on a woman and he told her about it. I was like, oh boy, here we go. I know what Bailey's focused on. So this segment on what your boss is thinking, I'll tell you yesterday during the day, I was thinking, what the fuck is Bailey Carlin doing? And I texted him and slacked him and was like, hey, Bailey, I'm just going to give you a little bit more work right now because I know you're not doing work. So that's today's one fucking good thing, what your boss is thinking moment um, brought to you by Barstool Sports. Okay, so that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you have a chance, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating or give us a review. I'm at EKA Nardini. Token CEO is on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. 